my advice as it relates to business partners is to try to do it without partners. To try to try to figure out a way because because a, a business partnership is is in many ways more serious and harder to unwind and reverse than a than a traditional marriage. Hey there, and welcome to Start Yours, a podcast by Obolo about what it's like to start your own thing. I'm Alicia McCormack, and in this podcast, I talk to experts and merchants who have been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and then went, hey, I can make a better t-shirt, and started another business. A lot of my guests started their enterprise as a side hustle. They were working full-time, they started to dabble, and then for some of them, it became their full-time job. And in this episode of the show, I interview a fantastic guy called Brian Clayton, who is the founder of GreenPal. Brian built his lawn mowing business from the age of 16. This was a true side hustle. This is where, as you'll hear in the interview, his dad's like, you should go out and make some money. He started to mow lawns, and who'd have thought that a couple of decades later, he is now running a $20 million a year business. In this episode, Brian talks a lot about how to develop your own tech if you are looking to get into apps or creating websites or service-based websites. He also shares some valuable insights into working with partners or co-founders and how it's sort of like getting married without the romance most of the time. And also some big topics like retention and how to scale an idea. So if you have a side hustle, how to make that into something gargantuan like Brian has done. It's really important. Impressive. He obviously loves what he does. He actually retired and then came back and started this business. It's a really interesting story. And I am confident that whatever stage of running a business you may be at, you will find some valuable insights in this interview and also just be super motivated. Brian is a worker, but he's also really level-headed when it comes to how much time he puts into his business and also the hands-on aspect of running a business such as his now at this big scale, how much time he spends talking to customers and working with his staff. I found it absolutely fascinating to see how hands-on he is still when it comes to running GreenPal. If you are new to Obolo, if you are new to start yours, then I encourage you to visit obolo.com, O-B-E-R-L-O.com. It's where you can learn more about running your very own dropshipping and Shopify store. It is super informative. We've got a bunch of courses. Our YouTube channel is filled to the brim with informative videos about how to start a business, what sells, how to find products, and also all of the ins and outs of running an e-commerce enterprise. It's really helpful, and I encourage you to visit obolo.com. And also, if you'd like to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. You can email me, podcast at obolo.com is where you will find me. All right, now let's head to my interview with Green Pals founder, Brian Clayton. Brian, you are such an interesting person with such an interesting story. I don't know really where to begin, but maybe let's begin at the beginning of your current business. Tell me a little bit about how you got started uh, in the world of lawn mowing. I think this is so interesting. I uh, have, a, have a lawn and I look at it sometimes and think, gee, it'd be good if someone else could come and help me out with this lawn. Uh, inevitably, uh, in Australia, I have to come and do it myself, but not the case for where you are. So tell me a little bit about what you do and, and how it all started. Yeah. So I've <laughs> been a uh, been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've never had a job. Luckily, I was forced into wow. entrepreneurship by my father. Uh, he, <laughs> he uh, on a hot summer day, uh, he interrupted me playing Nintendo and he said, get off your butt. You've got a job to do. You're going to go mow the oh. neighbor's grass. 
and right. uh, made me go mow the neighbor's lawn. And luckily he did because something about uh, just working for myself and, and earning as much money as I wanted to earn just stuck with me. I, I, I remember when I got done mowing that yard, the first thing I did was make some uh, flyers. And uh, I was like 15 years old and passed them around the neighborhood. And, and by the end of that summer, I had like 10 customers I was cutting grass for. And I just stuck with that lawn mowing business. I, I, I just stuck with it uh, all through high school and all through college. And over a 15-year journey, I built that into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state where I live and got it over $10 million in revenue, over wow. 150 employees, and, uh, and sold that business in 2013. So I built that business from just me and a push mower to me and 150 people, uh, 10, over eight, you know, eight figures in revenue. It was a heck of a journey, learned the hard way, a lot of highs and lows on how to build a business. And, uh, and so after I sold it, I retired. I, I took some time off and I realized something about myself. It was like, whoa, I am, I am wired to love business. I need, mm. I need my business to be my purpose in life. And I, I didn't have that anymore. And so I thought, okay, well, I got to start the next thing. What is the next thing going to be? And so then the idea for my current business, Green Pal, which is the Uber for lawn mowing, came to me. It was a real straightforward idea. I recruited two co-founders and been working on this company for eight years now. And we're an eight-year overnight success. Uh, and we're doing $20 million a year in revenue. So I've been spent 20 years in one industry. Didn't didn't set out to be a grass cutting guy my entire life, but that's just kind of where yeah. where it took. Uh, what I love about this story is that the fact that your dad, you know, like it's the traditional thing with the kid, isn't it? It's like either the paper route or you've got the the lawn mowing. It, but you took it and made it a, a multi million dollar business. It's so so inspiring, but also these things where kids are like, eh, I don't mow, I can't make any money out of mowing lawns. And you're like, ah, I hold the line. I think you can. This is pretty good. <laughs> I think there's a there's some sort of correlation between the least fun, least sexy, least exciting your idea, the higher your probability for success. And uh, if you yeah. look, if you can look at some of those ideas that just aren't really alluring, that aren't don't seem very glamorous, a lot of times uh, your competition is not going to be as stiff, and you and you can kind of yeah. take your time and, and build something strong. So when you did retired and you had that thinking time and you got the itch again, which I think a lot of people listening, whether they've actually explored that itch, it's, this sounds weird now. I'm, I'm going to go for it, or they're you know maybe sitting in a nine to five and wondering how they can jump into something new. Tell me a little bit about that feeling when you were sitting there thinking. I'm not done yet. I've got to keep going because because it's a pretty big leap that you you know you were comfortable obviously financially it sounds like with retirement but then to say I'm going to step back into the workplace and and do this again what was that drive what was that urge that you felt I, I feel like you know to to live a successful life you your life has to not, a lot of people over-index on passion. I think it's purpose. I think your life has to have some sort of purpose. And for me, my business has been the source of that purpose. And so, you know, my, with my first company, I built it to over 150 people. And, and like the, the purpose of my life was that business. It was making sure that the company was in good, was good, strong business so all of my people could get a paycheck every week and, mm -hmm. and, and that we could continue to grow the business to give opportunities for the people that work for it. And so like when I sold it, I didn't have that business, any, that, that, that purpose anymore. And that was what was missing. And so I, I realized that and I thought, okay, well, I need the next thing that my businesses have always been the forcing function that 
drives me to learn things I don't want to learn, to do things I don't want to do, to 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 be outside of my comfort zone. And that, I think that's one of the beautiful things about business is that it can it can lend your life purpose. It can literally cause you to be a, a smarter, more humble, wiser person. And and it can be kind of like the thing that lends an interesting storyline to your life. And, mm. and all of those things kind of like culminate into the, uh, the, what I love about business and what, and, and what I get out of running my company. Excellent answer. And think that's something that I'm sure people would be tapping into right now if they're listening to, to, to your story and then also thinking, oh, I haven't really found my thing yet, but I've got that feeling. Um, you know, I think it's really powerful to, 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 to pursue it and also um, really unpack what, what makes you happy and what you want to do, which is where I was going to lead this next question is uh, when you sort of said, okay, and I love that it's been described as the Uber for lawn mowing, how did you then go about going, okay, I had this idea, uh, I, I think it's going to work, I've, I've run a similar sort of business before, but now I'm going to leap into the world of tech, which is obviously uh, huge, very competitive, very expensive when it comes to building things. How did you then make the plan to actually get Green Pal off the ground and uh, fund it and make it what it is now? You know, for the early days, what kind of got me and my two co-founders in the game was a, was a healthy dose of naivety. Uh, we really didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know how hard it was going to be to build the, the just the technological aspect of, of the app and the platform. We didn't realize the difficulties of, of crafting a marketplace that connects buyers and sellers. We just didn't know these things. And so mm-hmm. that naivete is what kind of got us going. And, and, uh, and then, and then on the other hand, it was, it was kind of like, okay, this is, this is hard. It's a lot harder than we thought it was going to be, but you know, well, I'm just going to be working on my best idea all the time. That's just it. I'm not like yeah. failure is not an option. I'm not going to give up. Uh, and so I'm always going to be just working on my best thing. And green Pal was my best thing and still is, I guess, luckily I'm not very creative. And so I just had <laughs> this one thing. I was kind of solving my own problem in a way and, and just kept at it. And so, and so from like a, like a practical uh, standpoint, like how did we do it? When we when we started the business, you know, ideally you'll start one of these tech companies and and you'll and you'll bring together a hacker and a hustler, you know, somebody that mm-hmm. can do the tech aspect of it, and somebody that can that is good at sales and can just make the phone ring. Uh, we had three hustlers. We didn't have anybody oh. on the team that understood how to how to build software, and so <laughs> that was difficult. We we uh, we made a mistake in the early days. We we believed if we could just pay somebody to build what we thought GreenPal should be that we would just market it and be off and running. But that's not how it worked out. You know, we, we pulled our money together and we spent $150,000 with a local development shop in, where I live. And they took eight months and built the platform and we launched it and it was a total failure. It, it just, the thing did not work. Wow. It didn't have the features it needed. It, it just, it just didn't fulfill the promise that we were, we were communicating to our customers. And it was really a low point where we realized, wow, okay, who are we kidding here? If we're going to be in the tech business, we're going to have to learn how to build tech. We just that's just all mm-hmm. there is to it. So we had to really make the decision: what were we going to do? And and so one of my co-founders went to a software boot camp. Uh, it was like an eight-hour day thing for like six mm-hmm. months, and he learned just enough to try to hack hack together something on the back end. And I learned front wow. end front end design and front end coding and. Over, over like a three-year period of time, we learned the skills we needed to learn ourselves to build software while working on the business, while doing the stuff we were learning. 
and it was a tough it was a tough uh, I, I guess ticket it was it was a tough admission price into the game I guess you could say because there's just no way to sidestep that if you're gonna build an app if you're gonna be in the tech business you're gonna have to learn how to build software yeah and that's such a bold move but also you're so right to know and understand what the hell these uh, you know the programmers and uh, engineers are doing and where your money's going i think is such a valuable piece of advice because we you know i think when you don't understand it and and i'm i i can't purport to understand a lot of it but i work for a tech company and i think i watch a lot of our slack conversations happen and think gosh there's just so much that goes into making back end of a company like shopify and obolo work it's huge but also the skills and how fast paced the industry moves you've got to be on your toes all the time to keep updating and making things uh, work, I suppose. So I love the hackers and hustlers, uh, you know, idea, but I also love that you then created a bunch of hackers as well, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what I optimized for when I, when I recruited my two co-founders, I just wanted to work with two other people who wanted something more out of life, who kind of had a chip on their shoulder, who felt like they were capable of great things who were not satisfied with this with the status quo and not satisfied with where they where where they were in life and and so that's what I got and then so so luckily that was enough to me, to help us get through the 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 learning the tactical pieces of it so i think i think you can learn this stuff and and like i would mm. rather have a motivated person who was just willing yep. to be successful at all costs who didn't know how to code than a coder who was lazy and didn't really want anything out of life. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's, I think, it's really interesting about finding partners. Well, tell me about how you found your business partners. Are they friends? Are they people that you had had dealings with before? How these do you go these were two guys that I had known for a long time. Uh, they, right. were, they were friends. I trusted them. And, and like I said, I could just tell that they – they wanted something more out of life and they felt like starting a business was the vehicle to that. And I, mm. and that's, that's part of like my personal philosophy. I think your business can be your vehicle to great things in life, to improve your station in life, to cause you to be a, a better person. And so I saw that they recognized that and that's why I went into business with them. You know, ideally they could have came to the table and myself included with the skills we needed, but that's just not how it worked out. And you're not going to mm. find that unicorn uh, co-founder, you're going to have to, you know, I think first it makes sense to optimize for somebody who just has that drive, has that ambition, is willing to do whatever it takes to be successful. And then you can learn the other stuff downstream. Oh, totally. And and it's great that you say that. So I think a lot of um, people starting out think, gosh, this seems like a lot of work to do on my own. I'd love someone to, to sort of, <laughs> well, share the load with, but also be able to brainstorm and have those sort of inspirational moments that I'm sure you've had with your co-founders, but it can sometimes be hard to find the right people. So it's nice to think that you've you've known those guys for for a long time, but also trust them and, and share that sort of friendship with as well. Is that the advice you would give if if people are looking for business partners? Like how how do we go about finding those people? I mean, you you seem quite lucky that you've had them in your life. Already, got lucky, got very lucky, tricky. <laughs> got very lucky, and and so that's my advice as it relates to business partners is to try to do it without partners. To, to yeah. try to try to figure out a way because because of a partnership a business partnership is is in many ways more serious and harder to unwind and reverse than a, than a traditional mm. marriage 
Um, you think about the person you marry, you want to spend the rest of your life with them. You know, you're going to, you're going to date them for a year, two, three years, sometimes longer. You're going to, you're going to really put a lot of weight in that decision. Whereas a lot of people will start a business with a partner and like not even know them more than a month. And it's, and, and, and the reality is it's, it's a lot harder to unwind that business partnership. And, and if your business is successful, you're going to spend a decade with this person and you, and you may even in a weird way, in a cynical way, you'll spend more time with this business partner than you will your actual spouse. And so, and so like really thinking that through first and foremost, try to try to figure out a way to do it without partners. Like a lot of this stuff that you think you need a partner for, um, you can, you can delegate and you can, you can get contractors to help you with. Um, yeah. but if, if, if you, if you, so, so, like don't get married until it really feels right. Like the same as for business partnerships, unless you really just are in love with that partner and you want to start a business with them and you want to get in the, in the trenches with them for 10, for a decade, then yes, Mm -hmm. like all most great businesses were done by, by a couple or three or three partners. So, Mm -hmm. so if it's, if it, if it's, if it's a, if it's a match made in heaven, go for it. If, but don't try to force it. Don't try to jump in the trenches with somebody when it's when it's not perfect, it's not right, and it you know that you know that there's probably things that that you that you're that they're going to cause you not to work well with them, because not only are you going to spend a lot of time with this person, but if you get that decision wrong, it can really torpedo your business because because if they don't pull their weight or they don't have the expertise that you thought they did, and now you've got all this dead weight, um, and it can be the cause of the thing that causes you to. to give up. That's such a good analogy, the dating and the and the business partner situation. Cause you I think you're right. There are a lot of stories you sort of hear where people have jumped in and and um also it's just about personality and figuring figuring out if you actually yeah like this person and right. do you problem solve in the same way. And right. Yeah, it can it can be I mean I think about all the different workplaces I've um been in over the last sort of twenty years and think, gee, there are a lot of people I don't really want to spend extra time with outside of work. <laughs> and all of, who yeah, you know who might be great at their jobs, but not necessarily people I want to hang out with. And and I think when you were sort of just talking about marriage and work, and and I was thinking about going, yeah, there's not a lot of those people that I would want to, you know, have to burn the midnight oil with and and um, order a pizza with around a desk that doesn't involve working for someone else. So we, we're yeah, literally talking right. 60, 70, 80, 90 hour weeks in the first few years yeah, to get it going. Crazy. And you better you yeah. better just really love working with that person. <laughs> uh, do you do your dating? Do you do your do, dating? Do your founder dating? Your corporate dating. <laughs> founder dating is very important. <laughs> yep. Um, Brian, uh, let's talk about the day to day running um, now of Green Power and just a little bit about um, customer service. I think seems to be a huge sort of uh, well, a big part of your business. It's finding the people that do the job and then making sure they're doing it properly. Um, and customer service in e-commerce, whether you're selling a physical product or a service as well, is is so important. So I wanted to maybe uh, get some of your best tips for customer service and also when you're launching a business, how we can best service the people that are helping us by funding us, by giving us money. Yeah. So um, Green Pal, tell me a little bit about how you go about, you know, making sure your customers are happy because you've got a lot of – are they subcontractors that work for you in the, the, the mowing and doing all the work? So the, the marketplace connects buyers and sellers. And so uh, we have homeowners that come onto the app, need to get their grass cut, and we connect them with contractors that do that work, and we take a, a small right. transactional fee. So the, the lawn mowing services that use the platform don't work for us. Uh, they use our technology to run their business. But 
the homeowners that use our platform, we have to serve them. We have to answer their questions. We have to figure out what went wrong when things went go, things go wrong. And for us, we, we, a lot of people want to look at customer service as like a cost center or as a liability or as they want to frame it as just something that has to be done. And for us, because we're bootstrapped, we haven't raised any outside ca- capital. We've looked right. at customer service and customer feedback as like our R&D center, as like the thing mm-hmm. that causes us to constantly have the ship steered in the right direction. Uh, yeah. In the early days and even now, we've made it as simple as possible for people to reach us, to talk to us, to tell us what's going on, tell us what they're disappointed about, tell us what they wish it would do, tell us where they're happy. And, and you know, in every interface from the app and website, there's a chat screen, a chat bubble that, that, that goes right to somebody that instantly picks up. And I myself still do like an hour or two of customer uh, service tickets every day uh, because I don't want there to be a gap between customer logic and company logic. And so oh, that's good. So most most companies look at everything from company logic. What are the company's objectives? What are the co- what is the company trying to do? What are the company's problems? And and then like as time goes on there's this big chasm that 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 develops between company logic and customer logic. And so if you're always talking with your customers, making it really easy for them to talk to you, you're you close that gap and you're never at a loss for okay, well We've got 23 engineers that, that are working on stuff in this company. What should they be working on? What are the features they should be building? What are the what are the th- what are like what are the bugs they should be fixing? And and I don't just mean like technical bugs, but just like little things that that the customer wish or expected to happen that didn't. And so if you're always speaking with the people using your product on a on a daily basis, you're never at a loss or a wonder as to what these people should be, what your team should be working on. And and I suppose it's a thing about customer service and getting in there early on, especially if you're launching an e-commerce store or an app that, as you said, you can understand the challenges that are being faced by your customers, but also, yes, yeah, probably sometimes really simple solutions that can come in and be found once you've had a bit of a hands-on look like you it's fantastic to to hear that yeah and i love that you're doing the hour a day it's yeah and, and 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 in the early days it's hand cranking sales too which you desperately need yeah. that revenue right so it's twofold <laughs> yeah. it's not like oh what does this customer want it's like oh i need to know what's going on and i need to like a i need to get that sale but b like yeah. that that's leading us in the right direction and it's like customer feedback is not happening to you as the entrepreneur it's happening for you yeah. Uh, like, like w- when I go to a restaurant and the service sucks, I just don't say anything and I never go back. My friend that I go with, he is all over the waiters, but he is, yeah, hey, can I talk to the manager? Uh, he, I mean, he, and it's embarrassing. And, and it's like, you want my friend as your customer, believe it or not. You don't want me. Uh, because, because my friend's going to tell you where you stink. He's going to tell you what you need to work yeah. on me. Yeah. I'm just not coming back. And I'm not going to give anybody a recommendation, right? And so it's so it's like you want that customer, you want that customer that's going to tell you where you where you're coming up short. So then you know what you need to be working on. Well, then let's look at retention then, and how you make sure people come back. Because I think that's a big thing as well with people who go, yeah, I've got a sale, but it's also like as you said with the restaurant to say, okay, how do we get people to come back? And then how do we get people to come back for to Green Power? Are you? Um, is it about just excellent customer service, making sure the job is done? Is it about offering discounts or is it just about being able to offer a service that you know is ongoing, That you know, which is obviously a great place to be in from your perspective because people's lawn, it grows and then it needs to be mowed again. Yeah, our business is built on 
retention uh, because yeah. we, we can't just go out and just buy a bunch of new customers. We have to keep and hold on to the ones that use the, our, our product. Yep. And we have found the best way to do that is to focus on service provider quality. So mm-hmm. if, 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 if they use our app and they get hooked up with a lawn mowing service that didn't do a good job of getting the weeds out of the garden and didn't make nice edges on the driveway, it doesn't matter how good our technology is or how good our app is or how well-designed our app is or how fast it runs. They're not coming back. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't it, it just like it, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. And so we've relentlessly focused on how do we promote good service providers and sideline and demote the bad ones. And so yep. we, we have about 20 different metrics that we measure the service providers that use our platform uh, in terms of do they show up on time? Do they get booked for a second lawn mowing? Uh, do they get good star ratings from their clients? Um, do they, do they win a lot of the bids that they, that they quote, are they quoting a fair price or too high or too low? And so it's like all of these different things that we measure. And then we use that data to, to promote the best performing vendors and surface them to where a homeowner can just hire them like right off the shelf, kind of like Amazon. Um, and then, and then the ones that aren't, uh, reliable that don't show up on time, they get they get demoted and sometimes expelled from the platform, and so that's our value proposition. Ah. It's it's the homeowner comes onto our platform and they can get done in a minute. What might take them a week or a month and and several different spins of diff, trying different people in their neighborhood. Uh, we we solve all that for them just through the data that our platform acquires and 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 measuring who's doing well and who's not. And that's how we that's the biggest lever we can pull to to keep customers using the product. Um, so certainly we, we have messaging in place to try to pull them back in emails and what we call red flag metrics. When somebody's going cold, we try to pull them back in that stuff, table stakes, but really at the essence of retention is just offering a good, delightful experience of, I push a button, I get a great person to come mow the yard at a good price and they show up when they're supposed to. Yeah, which is all we can hope for when we're, uh, especially when you're you're providing a service based business. It's just yeah, someone does what you're paying them to do with minimal fuss, right? <laughs> and you you bring them back again next month. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's great. Now, I think uh, I don't want people to be. I think when people listen to this this podcast, it's often thinking about a physical product, and I actually think that a lot of the time, some of the, you know, some of the, obviously some of the best ideas, the most profitable ideas that have been out in the last ten years have been service based ideas. So I think that's um, it's great to sort of hopefully spark a bit of interest from our listeners who might be like, I don't know if I want to sell something, but maybe I'm really good at doing something or providing a service. So it's um, it's really great speaking with you, Brian. So I hope it's given some people listening a bit of inspiration to maybe think outside the box when it comes to um you know wanting to sell products when maybe they've got a great service they can they can help people with absolutely it's my pleasure um brian before we go i have to ask you uh, i have a i've moved into a new home in november the lawn is a little crappy let's <laughs> talk about your best lawn <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm recording in Australia, so it is the 